Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. It may be the nighttime. But the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Live in the Kia Studios on this Thursday evening with you for the full four. Asking to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone, the Alexa speakers, the tablet, the Texas Instruments calculator, your Commodore 64, your Lightbrite, your Palm Pilot, whatever your device is, just download on something to be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929thegame the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And, of course, best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages at JMCH316. That, of course, your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there producing the show on the other side of the glass, I can't believe I've seen him like two or three days this week. Dylan is in the house at underscore Dylan Matthews. Dylan. Gotta let the whole thing get through. It's, you know, entering all that kind of stuff. All right, we are getting ready for Braves baseball. And, and I'm going to say it like this. You ain't going to convince me. That. This is must win tonight, folks. All the work that you put in the first two games to win and beat up the Mets goes away if you lose these last two and you haven't gained any ground, you're six back in the loss column if you lose tonight. You only have three games against them left, and it's all scoreboard watching. And, and I'll keep saying this until you, you believe it. Mets ain't losing. Mets ain't going on any long losing streak. You know why? You know, the last time we saw Jacob deGrom, 12 of his 17 outs they recorded were via no contact. The Mets aren't going to go on any kind of four, five, six-game losing streak. Because that means you have to beat those guys. You have to beat both of those guys for that to happen. And that ain't happening. Might get a win here or a win there, but to beat them both, it's not happening. So if you're going to tell me that the Braves are going to win this division, then it starts tonight. You have to win tonight. No, no more waiting for another Mets series and this, that, and the other. Because between now and October – it's scoreboard watching. It, it's every night. And it's all everybody, you know, the Braves obviously have the Astros, and the Mets have another two-game set against the Yankees. But otherwise, it's back to the flea bag, dirt bag, Washington Nationals. The pawn scum, sludge of the universe, Miami Marlins. The low-life dirt bag, Diamondbacks. And the pawn scum, sludge on the bottom of a barrel, Colorado Rockies and those, all those, and the Pirates and the Godforsaken, you know, whoever else. It's all those teams again. It's back to all of those. Yeah, Mets have a three game set against the Dodgers. Okay. But they're not going to go on any kind of long extended losing streak. 
Not with those two guys at the top of the rotation. Not not with those two guys. Are, are there are there three better pitchers in baseball than their top two guys? Now look, Max Fried is back tonight. He's off the IL. Max Fried, Jacob Degrom. This is game one of any playoff series in baseball. This is prime time, as good as it gets, right? You, you, you probably can't come up with five better matchups in baseball than having Max Fried and Jacob deGrom going against one another tonight, right? There aren't that many top-tier starting pitchers in Major League Baseball left. Certainly aren't any guys that, you know, the Steve Carltons and the Tom Seavers of the world that don't give you complete games and can throw, you know, 300 innings and all that kind of stuff. So here's the lineup for the Braves tonight. Ronnie Dansby-Riley, Olsen, Darno behind the plate. Rosario will hit sixth and DH. Then Grissom, Harris, and Robbie Grossman will get to start again in left field with Max Fried on the mound. So, you, you know, obviously with Grossman again, trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Right-hander on the mound tonight, trying to use his left-handed, you know, bat and trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Hit the three-run homer last night. You just, you're trying to get something going. And tonight is going to be another one of those nights. You, you need a, you need, you need a draw walk. I, I think really tonight, honestly, the top of the order is going to dictate how this game is going to go tonight. If Ronnie's 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, your chances of trying to win tonight are going to be slim. And, and look, I know people have been arguing about the idea of should the Braves have been as aggressive with Ronnie on the base pass last night stealing. Yes, that's what he does. It took three perfect throws to, to get him out. Yes, I'm running on there. If I have a guy at first with DeGrom on the mound, it ain't like they're going to bat him all, you know, bat somebody all the way around. You're going to have to be aggressive on the base paths. You have to find a way to draw a couple of walks. You're going to have to put the ball in play and put pressure on their defense. You know, that's if you're sitting back and waiting for somebody to just pound three-run homers tonight, well, you're at the wrong game. You're at the wrong game. You know, DeGrom was five and two-thirds innings with 12 strikeouts last time. Five and two-thirds with 12 strikeouts. 12 of his 17 outs, there was never any contact made in fair play. You got to find a way to get it done tonight, though. You can't just keep you can't just keep treading water against the team that's ahead of you. Because now you've run out of games. Now, now you've run out of it. You win tonight, you pick up another game, you know, you got your shot. But you start losing again tonight, now you're six back and only three to play. That's scoreboard watching. That means you're that means you're truly getting into, you know, you gotta you gotta hope that the Mets can really stub their toe for a while. You gotta have multiples of nights where you win, they lose. Might have a random one here where they win and you win, or one here where they lose and you win, but you're also gonna have one where you lose and they win. So we'll keep you up to date all night long about what goes on uh, in this game. But, um, you know, again, I'll say, it, you know, you're, you're in a must-win territory now. It's middle of August, right? Ain't a whole lot of time left. All right. Um, we'll talk to D. Orlando Ledbetter. This is the final show for the week. So we'll get ready for Monday night and uh, the Falcons, of course, in New York to take on the Jets, or I guess New Jersey, technically. They'll be there to take on uh, the Jets. We'll talk to D. Led coming up at 820 this evening, and uh, we'll kind of get into a preview of all that. We'll talk about the Falcons coming up in the next segment, what I'm looking for 
on Monday night as, you know, we'll get into plenty of notes of the Falcons file because it wasn't really good news, um, you know, for one player for the Falcons who's fighting, scratching, clawing to try to make this 53-man squad. So we'll get into all that with D-Led at 820. Uh, Falcons flyer, of course, uh, coming up at the top of the hour. Atlanta United, we're going to talk about them at 9 o'clock because statistically it doesn't look that bad. But I don't know what to tell you about Atlanta United. When I'm seeing Doug Roberson and Felipe Cardenas and these guys on Twitter with like, I don't know how to fix United. They're doing some things correctly. It's just, you know, no coffee for the no coffee for Atlanta United because coffee's for closers. And they're not closing. And they were down two nothing in a short amount of time again last night and were never really in that game. Yeah. Congratulations to Joseph Martinez. Got his hundredth goal in MLS. Better enjoy him now because he might not be here next year. Or I can tell you this, you know, you're going to have to start thinking about building around some other players besides Joseph Martinez. A lot of chatter about whether or not he's going to be here. And I agree with some people. Look, I'm not telling you I'm an expert Atlanta United. I know what I see right now. They're not all that impressive. And, And I agree with some of the sentiment about they haven't replaced the Nagbees and the Michael Parkhurst and guys like that. They have not found those guys again in this team. They're top tier and their attack is there. You have all, and can't blame the attack on you can't blame injuries on the attack. They've got, you know, Almada, they've got Joseph, they got Aruju, they got all those guys. Those guys have been around. You know, the only time Almada's missed here recently, right, was he had the red card uh, a couple weeks ago, whatever. But all the attack guys are there. I get their defense and goaltending and all that stuff. The attack's just not it's there, just not closing out. Somebody needs to give them the Alec Baldwin speech. Got to close, right? Got to close. So we'll talk about that coming up at uh, at 9 o'clock. Of course, as we said, Falcons getting ready today. They are off uh, today. So day off today, um, you know, and they'll get ready to head up uh, to, um, you know, to New Jersey. To uh, Aren't they doing some co-practices with the Jets, too? That starts tomorrow, I think, that they've, they've got a couple of co-practices between tomorrow and the weekend. That is correct. Yeah. So And then they'll do that again here in Atlanta when the Jaguars – come uh, to town because that'll be the final preseason game. So the the Falcons play Monday, and then don't forget, they turn right around on Saturday and play. So they'll have a busy week because Jacksonville's going to come in here and practice with them for a couple few days or what have you. And so it, believe it or not, we get to Monday, and you're less than a week away from the preseason being over, over. All right, also to um, see LeBron – Signed a two for 97. Le- LeBron James has earned now his career earnings in the NBA, just in the NBA, $532 million. Truly the highest played or highest earning player in NBA history. Worth every bit of it. Yep. You can't have a starting all-time five in the NBA that doesn't include LeBron. Sorry. Not, if, if you give me an all-time NBA starting five, and LeBron isn't one of the five, then your list is invalid. It's invalid. Can't argue with what this guy has done in his career. Worth every penny of it. Is he the same guy who was 10 years? Of course, nobody is. You know? None of us are. You aren't. I'm not. Dylan ain't. You know, Dylan was like a fetus like 10 years ago. So, anyway, good for LeBron, man. Good uh, good for him. And uh, Deshaun Watson, decision day came down today. 11-game suspension, $5 million fine. All this was a settlement between the NFL and NFLPA. Interesting that guess what game he's going to come back for? 
in Houston to play the Texans. He'll miss 11 games, not 12, 11 games, and then that day he comes, that week he comes back, they are in Houston to play the Texans. All coincidental, right? Wink, wink, all coincidental, right? So that means that um, Baker Mayfield's going to play the Browns in week one, right? Carolina and Browns hook up week one, and that means Deshaun Watson will get to go to Texas and you know play in Houston against the Texans when he comes back from suspension. And still, um, still, uh, what what's the word that uh, that uh, still maintaining his innocence in all of it? I, look, here's the thing: I, I'm I'm done with this story. Like I've had I've had enough. By the way, we'll make sure Falcons fans understand something. You understand that the Falcons were okay with losing Matt Ryan to get into bed with Deshaun Watson, right? Because Matt Ryan chose to leave. They didn't move on. He moved on from the Falcons. Okay. Hope that was a good trade-off. Hope hope that was the the right trade-off and everything. So we will uh, we will see. But Watson's got his eleven games, five million dollar fine, maintains his innocence, and I guess we can put this long national nightmare behind us now, right? All right. What I'm looking for on Monday night is the Falcons will be in New Jersey to take on the Jets. Up next, Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Right Now to the Game, Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to more John Chuckery. This party's gonna rock. Make sense! Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show, live in the Key Studios Thursday night with you. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. Open and available to you. Leave us a comment there. Odyssey app site, catch us on the go. Social media at 929, the game. At JMCH316, he's at underscore Dylan Matthews. We're going to open up the phone lines in the next segment. We're going to talk about Alex Anthopoulos. So we'll open up the phone lines to you coming up in the next segment. Hey, uh, Kenny Main has joined the Odyssey family with his new podcast. Everybody say it uh, together. Ready? Hey, hey Main. Each week he's talking to athletes, musicians, celebrities, just about anybody else. Chris Berman, uh, one of the previous guests. Hey, hey, Tommy. Hey, pretty good. Hey, yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, um, he's free on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcasts uh, from. So there you go. Listen to Hey, Maine. Uh, whatever. Anyway, um, Monday, of course, you know, this is our final show for the weekend uh, before the weekend hits uh, as high school football show comes up tomorrow night. So it's kicking off a new season. Uh, Chris Parker and Sam Crenshaw will be here in studio, and then people will be all over the state of Georgia. Um, where, how far are they going to be? Like, what's the furthest? That, is anybody going to be in Augusta? Tomorrow? We'll go as far as we want to go. Okay. That didn't we, answer my question. We have no limits. No, to be honest, just because I'm not I'm not sure what games we're covering tomorrow because I'm actually missing week oh, one tomorrow. What a shock. <laughs> That's a, what a shock. You mean you're not here for another one of your shows that you're supposed to produce? It's the only week for? I'm missing. Oh, shocking. There was a, there was a prior engagement. Who could have that. guessed that? <laughs> I mean, who would have ever thought that? I mean, you know. Oh, boy. 
Anyway. It was a prior engagement that was already scheduled I mean, who beforehand. didn't see the FBI with the door and it hit me in the nose? And I, anyway. All right. Um, I, I know. Dumb questions I would ask that the producer of the show would know what's going on. Anyway. So uh, we got the high school football show coming up. So we'll talk to D-Led at 820. But what am I looking for come Monday night? You know, obviously I thought last Friday was successful. You know, are there things to work on, things to pro- Yeah, of course. Nobody thinks the Falcons are a flawless football team. Guess what? Nobody's a flawless football team. So, yeah, things they got to work on, this, any other. But, obviously, they got the victory, thought they played well, did some good things. Now you got to build off that. First thing I'm looking for on uh, Monday is a clear picture of what direction the battle at center is going to be. And I think everybody believes that this is going to come down to all the way to that first week of the regular season in preparation, right? That Now, I want to see how many what the snap count is for Matt Hennessy because Dolman played half the snaps last Friday. He played the majority of the snaps. I think Hennessy only played, I want to say, like 13% of the snaps or something like that. It wasn't wasn't a high percentage because Hennessy started and Dolman played most of the snaps. I'll be curious to see if they change anything with that, if the starters play more. But I want to start to get a clear picture of what the center position is. I think, honestly, in talking to some folks that, and this surprises me a little bit, but it sounds like Hennessy is kind of taking the lead as far as the center position goes. I would have thought Dolman would have been the leader, that they wanted to give him a shot. Um, I will say, if you watched Dolman and Mayfield play together on the field last Friday, yeah, But anyway, so uh, the center battle is something that I want to start to get a clear picture of or feel like I know what sort of direction we're trending in. Because I don't think we're going to get a starter announced until – and I know I saw the – I think the depth chart came out today today or yesterday or something uh, as well. But I want to start to feel like that there's a little bit clearer picture. And I want to see if there's more of a balance between Hennessy and Dolman, excuse me, as far as – Percentage of snaps taken. Because that's going to be the other thing, too, is how much do starters play in this game? You would have to think that this is that quote-unquote dress rehearsal. You know, it used to be when you had four preseason games, that third game was sort of the starters played a half, right? I don't know if the starters are going to play a half, but you feel like this is that dress rehearsal. If they were going to play a majority, it certainly is going to be on Monday. It certainly won't be next Saturday against Jacksonville. Now they're going to trot their starters out, you know, as they're getting ready for the regular season a whole bunch on that Saturday to, to end the preseason. But I want to have a clear idea of where the center battle is going to go. Also, we obviously know Drake London most likely not going to play uh, in the game, and I don't even know if he's going to play the rest of the preseason or not. Brian Edwards hopefully is back, right? So with that, I want to see a wide receiver step up. And I, I certainly thought that, a big focus to the Falcons' offense last Friday was trying to establish and develop a running game, right? Uh, 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 you know, they, they had more runs than passes. I want to see them throw it a little bit. And, and remember when Arthur Smith was talking about, you know, pushing the ball downfield, deep passes and all that kind of stuff? I want to see a little bit of that. I want to see the wide receiver battle start to come to fold. What can Auden Tate give me? What can Brian Edwards give me? Can Jared Bernhardt make the team? Right? Could Daryl Hodge, what can he do? You know, I want to see some of these guys, 
and I want to see some throwing out there. And wouldn't mind seeing a couple of deep shots, right? Because that's all Arthur Smith keeps talking about is, well, we want to go deep and this, that, and the other. Okay, well, go deep. Huck it downfield. Drop back, huck it. H-U-C-K-I-T, one word, huck it. Huck it downfield. Let's do it. So I want to see the wide receivers and who can start to emerge there. And then as well, because I still expect that they're going to run the football more than they're going to pass it on Monday, how are we shaking out at the running back spot? I thought the running backs, by and large, did a pretty good job. I thought Allison was okay. You know, I thought Caleb Huntley was okay. I thought Williams was okay. I thought thought they did some good things in the running game. You know, obviously outside the quarterbacks. And, and I'm hoping that this is an opportunity for Ritter to get a chance to throw it more and, and Mariota and Ritter to throw a little bit more than even run a little bit. But I want to see what our running back – I want to continue to see who's going to make the team for the running back spot. All right? I, I, already, I, I know Cordell Patterson. Okay, I got it. He's the starter. He's going to make the team. I'm not worried about that. But in that, Williams, Allison, Caleb Huntley, Avery Williams is going to make the team as well. So you're going to have him in the running back room. I want to see these guys start to come to the fold about what we're going to do. That, to me, is still that center, running back, wide receiver trio. I want to start to get some clarity on and see what that starts to look like. And then I also want to see a pass rush, right? We talked about with the week one that I wanted to see some pressure on the quarterback, and I was hoping for a sack. Well, we got some pressure on the quarterback. We got a sack. This week, I want to see them get after quarterbacks. This week, I want to see multiple sacks. This week, especially if this is a dress rehearsal, that if if this is the modern-day dress rehearsal in a three-game preseason schedule nowadays, I want to see guys getting home. Now we have to start getting home. And, and I want to feel confident that this team can get home. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, you know, as long as you don't string yourself up to dry, that didn't take long, huh? Whew. Like I said, I hope Ronnie doesn't end up with an 0 for 4 with three strikeouts tonight because he's already K'd. You know, that was, that was pretty quick work uh, right there. Did he throw a ball? <laughs> was that three strikes? When it's just three straight strikes? Yeah. Anyway, um, I want to see guys get home now. You know, I want to see guys start to get home and put the quarterback on the ground. I don't even know who backs up Wilson for the Jets. I don't even know who their other quarterback is. I don't, I don't even know who Joe other, Flacco. Is it Flacco yeah. up there? Okay. Still got Flacco up there. Okay, all right. Well, that's, you know, he's a vagabond at this point. I mean, so um, you got to get home. And, and I don't really care how they get home. They got to do some blitzing. They got to do some stunting. They got to do some of this, some of that. Beep, bada, boop, bada, bop. You know, a little bit of here, a little bing, bang there, bing, bada, boop, here. Whatever it's got to do to get home. But you got to get home. To use a, to use a phrase from my friend Hugh Douglas, Outside contain, but get home. So I want to see that out of the defense out there. And I want to see a better opening drive out of our defense. I don't want to see another team with their first unit march right down the field on us. Now, about the, you know, the Jets as far as their offensive line goes, if you look at some of the metrics, if you're into metrics and analytics and save metrics and metrosexual stats and all that kind of stuff, 
You know, the Jets are somewhere about the middle of the NFL as far as their offensive line goes. They're somewhere, you know, looking at most grades, have them somewhere between like 14 and 20 in the NFL. I've seen some 14, some 15, some 17, a 20. So they're about somewhere in the middle of the league. And by the way, now they don't have Makai Becton either. And I know he didn't play last year, but he ain't going to play this year now that he's on, on IR. So you lose one of your starting offensive linemen if you're the Jets, and you obviously had to make a replacement there. So, again, it's a decent, you know, to good offensive line. You know, it's not not the Eagles or some of the top-tier teams in in the NFL, but it's, you know, if I can use a, a Chris Bermanism, Tommy, hey, pretty good, pretty good. Anyway, um, well, we know Riley's not going to steal, so Riley's on, but we know he's not going to steal. But this is where you got to get a walk, a bleeder to right. You know, you need a single to the right-hand side, move Riley from first to third. Got to capitalize on these opportunities. So, sorry, we're kind of deep into a – Braves and Mets in this must-win game for the Atlanta Braves. But it's a decent to good offensive line for the Jets. Can we get home against them? Can we make some plays? I want to see Ebba Cady continue to grow. Can Lorenzo Carter provide some of that as well? And then the other thing, too, is I want to see our safeties. I, I want to see Jalen Hawkins, Richie Grant. I want to see those guys plus other guys that are going to be trotting around out there. I, I want to see what our safeties look like. I feel good about our corners, and I, and I like our safeties a lot. I, I, I like our safeties a whole bunch. I want to see more of them. I, I, I need to feel better about our safeties than, you know, what we were trotting out there last year, right? And I'm excited that the young guys are, are going to get a chance to play, and obviously, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be Grant and Hawkins that are going to be your two starting safeties. That's that's what I want. That's every everything that I want from from this team, and, and obviously winning. You know, I mean that's the other thing too is winning. You know, I I want to I, I want them to play with some of the same intensity and the same go for it, if you will, that they had last week. You know, I thought Arthur coached that game to win. Okay, that that's what I want to see. Coach it to win, right? And and that's part of the mindset and the culture and all these kinds of things that that we're getting into, right? Trying to change up the culture and everything about it. Creating a winning mindset. That's, that's what I want to see. I want to see them play to win. I don't care if it is preseason. I don't care if it is the Jets. I don't care about any of that stuff. You know, if I'm lining up against somebody with a different colored hat on than what I have, then I want them, I want them to knock their dung in the dirt and find a way to win. So, look, I was very much excited for the first preseason game. I'm very much excited to see what this team looks like come Monday. You know, I want to see them continue to build and grow off because I did think it was a successful first game. I think all things considered, quarterback play, running the football, offensive identity, defensive line play. I think by and large, I felt pretty good about all that. All right, when we come back, we're going to open up the phone lines, 404-741-0929, okay? That is our phone line. Dylan's back there. Make him do some work, okay? Um, is Alex Anthopoulos the best general manager in Atlanta sports history? I don't think that the list is as long as some people think. Let's talk about that next. Chuck, we the Key Studios. 
Sports right now, the game, Odyssey.com app. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. Live in the Key Studios on this Thursday evening. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. That is also our phone lines here as we are opening up the phones to you as uh, we're asking about Alex Anthopoulos. Odyssey app site, catch on the go. Social media is at 9 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMCH316 on Twitter. At underscore Dylan Matthews. Nothing cooking right now in the Braves games. A uh, loud foul ball, but that's been about it. So, uh, you know, not much cooking for uh, the offense uh, in this game thus far. We'll keep you up to date about Braves all night long. You know, I thought, um, I heard earlier today, um, Steak and Sandra had, I thought they had a good conversation with Alex Anthopoulos. I was listening in as I was getting some work done this morning and stuff, and um, um, thought they had a good conversation. We'll play that interview a little bit later on here this evening. But I thought it was a good conversation overall. And, look, there's no question that the most popular general manager, one of the most popular of all time, maybe he is the most popular as well of all time, is Alex Anthopoulos. And I'm asking you at 404-741-0929, is Anthopoulos the best general manager in the history of Atlanta sports. Here's the thing about Alex Anthopoulos. It's not just getting a team that he put together to win a World Series title, right? Because the Braves have always had a crap ton of talent, right? I mean, for the last 30 years, 30-plus years, it's never been an issue of talent for the Atlanta Braves. It's been all kinds of other things. So it's not simply been that. But the couple of things that Alex Anthopoulos has done a masterful job of, obviously number one is making sure that a great team keeps its players to stay a great team, right? You know, there are guys, the Freddie Freeman, maybe Dansby, you know, there are guys that are going to come and go. But the idea of locking up your young core – why you have the opportunity, and being able to keep the main part of your roster together for years to come, you you can't, I mean, how many teams really do that in in any sport, right? Now, the other part is, too, and, and this to me is the impressive part about what Alex Anthopoulos has done. He has completely crushed the narrative that Liberty Media won't spend money. That he has changed. You know, we talked about Arthur Smith changing the culture. Alex Anthopoulos has changed the culture about what Liberty Media will or will not do when it comes to the Braves, right? And and I've said for the last few years, I'm a go-for-it guy. You know, when I know I'm on the precipice of greatness and I'm knocking on greatness's door, I'm a go-for-it guy. I want to kick it down, right? Well, now nobody, literally nobody can complain that Liberty Media is cheap, that they won't spend the money to keep their guys, this, that, and the other. I understand the Freddie thing still leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. That's not all on the brave side. There's plenty of 
Freddie and his agent side that takes some that bears some responsibility in that as well. Not blaming all of that on. I think there was just a lot of miscommunication. But you look at getting Riley, getting a Michael Harris, right? And and we've completely also blown up what I think has been the single dumbest narrative in sports is, oh, well, we have to leave him in the minors because, you know, we need controllable years. We need arbitration years. Well, no real good player worth his salt you have to worry about going through arbitration. They're not doing it with Riley. They didn't do it with Ronnie. They didn't do it with Ozzy. They haven't done it with Riley. They still have three years available of arbitration for Riley. The, the Angels didn't do it with Mike Trout. When guys come up and they look like they're going to be part of the franchise for the long term, you don't monkey around. That is what cheap organizations will do, is wait, 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 wait. Now, people are going to say, well, they've done it with Dansby. Because I think there are questions about what's the value. And up until this year, there were questions about whether or not Dansby should get a long-term contract. I don't care that he is from Marietta High School, local kid, and all that kind of stuff. Is he worth giving a big contract to? So I'm not mad that I'm – I mean, look, I've said before, I don't think they're going to re-sign Dansby to a long-term contract. I think he's going to price himself out of what they want to what they want to pay him. And he's not going to take a hometown discount. Why should he? He's in the prime of his career. This is his chance to cash in big time. He's not 21 years old. He's been around for a while. And he's probably about to win his first gold glove. He's having a terrific offensive year, doing everything he could ask. He's an elite defender. He's going to get paid a crap ton of money. And I personally think that my gut, if you're asking me my gut, it tells me it's going to be with somebody else. But he has completely changed the culture about what this team can and cannot do when it comes to what their roster is. And if you think about what the competition is, you know, Thomas Dimitrov was the overseer of the greatest era of Falcons football ever, right? He did a lot of really good things. He drafted the most important player in the history of the Falcons organization. He drafted the guy who might be the best player in the history of the Falcons organization in Julio Jones. He also made the best free agent signing in the history of the Falcons in Michael Turner. And and I, I always have to do this, okay? Abraham was a trade. Tony Gonzalez was a trade. So don't text me either one of those names. They were both trades. They were not free agent signings. We traded for both of those guys. I always have to clear that up because first thing is, oh, Tony Gonzalez was better. No, he wasn't a free agent. Michael Turner is the best free agent signing in the history of this organization. But his drafting, as it moved along, left a lot to be desired. About halfway through his tenure, his drafting and being able to build a roster left a lot to be desired. And when it started falling off a cliff, it started falling off a cliff. You know, the Danny Ferry into Mike Budenholzer era of Hawks basketball, putting together that 60-win team. Problem is, that team was not built to last for very long. They were, they were a complete flash in the pan, and that's it. Schlenk's doing some good things, but I don't know that I would tell you that, you know, obviously they haven't had the consistent success of the Hawks. And the Braves, by the way, I know a lot of people point at, at Sherholtz. I'll tell you, the, and I've said this a million times before, the two guys that deserve massive credit for getting this organization on the right track in the late 80s to early 90s 
is Bobby Cox and Paul Snyder. That's the two backbone pieces to having built the Braves roster because that's Glavin and Chipper and the development of all those guys. Bobby Cox, when he was the general manager, and Paul Snyder, who was the, the scout and the director and all that and player development and all that stuff. So 404-741-0929. Is Alex Anthopoulos the best general manager that we've seen in Atlanta sports? Let's head out to Duke out in College Park. What's going on, Duke? John, listen, I hear everything you're saying about Alex, and I agree. He's done a great job coming out the gate. Braves are winning. But until you put together the type of run that shareholders did put together, until you can give me an extended period of time, show me that you can do it for the long term, I'm going to stick with John Shareholtz. Well, and I understand. Here's the thing, too. Understand, Shareholtz inherited the, the, the beginning of the Braves friend. Like, Shareholtz didn't build anything here, per se. He signed Maddox and all that, but he inherited what Bobby Cox and Paul Snyder had put together, which led to that was Glavin and drafting Chipper and, and all of that stuff. And, and I understand. Listen, Shareholtz obviously had a massive amount of success for a long period of time. But I think you have to give credit to Bobby Cox and Paul Snyder for laying the foundation of what the Braves became. Those are the two guys that really laid the foundation. They were already winning when they brought Sherholz in. I give him all the credit in the world because he kept it on track and he continued to, you know, obviously make the moves and stuff. So I get that. I understand. I, I mean, again, I can, underst- I can understand picking John Sherholz. I just think that when we talk about Sherholz, you have to give Bobby Cox and Paul Snyder a ton of credit for laying the foundation and building what this organization was. And so, again, I, I think what Alex and thought, because, again, too, let's be honest. When Sherholz was here, who owned the team? That was Ted, right? And they weren't handcuffed or anything like that. There was no corporate talk or anything like that. There, there, was no, there was no talk about Liberty Media tying up hands or this, that, and the other. If you needed somebody, you went and got him. When Ted was running the club, that was the great thing about having Ted, right? When you needed something, you went and got it. You didn't have to talk about payroll or hamstrung or, you know, self-imposed salary caps and things like that. Anthopolis blew that out of the water because they're going to be a $200 million payroll. They're going to be a top five or six payroll. You know, that was easy to do back in the old days when Ted had the club because, you know, you could write the check for whatever you needed. Tougher now when the organization that owns and owns the team has stockholders to answer to. And that may be fair or unfair or what have you, but that's why I say he's completely blown away the narrative of what the Braves can and cannot do. Because I've criticized him in the past, you know, for, hey, why aren't we in the mix for this guy? You know, the Mookie Betts thing. I was like, why are we not in the mix to go get Mookie Betts? Well, you know, Chuck, we cost a lot of money. Who cares? You know, two years ago, he beat us. You know, we weren't in the World Series a couple of years ago because of that guy. And he was out there running around, making catches, hitting balls, doing this, doing that. You know, and that was their World Series championship led by him. And look, it hasn't been perfect by any stretch of the imagination, right? Hadn't been perfect. The Marcelo Zuna contract in hindsight now, and I understand at the time why they did it, but my fear, and I remember Jarvis and I, we used to talk about this all the time, was my fear about Ozuna was which guy am I getting? Yeah, it's great when he's hitting well and all this kind of stuff and, 
He's doing the the chop thing in the pandemic years, 60 games. I got myself in shape for it and all that kind of stuff. But since then, it's been nothing. And you have two years at $32 million, which thankfully is not any kind of backbreak or anything like that. But it's one of those things that you're kind of stuck with a bad contract. So, look, I understand, uh, you know, a couple of people have said on the uh, Twitter page uh, that Scherholz, um I can understand that. I just think that one of the things that – I think that Bobby and Paul Snyder should get the credit for laying the foundation of what became with the Braves, that run in the 90s, because that's the two guys that really laid the foundation. Scherholz picked it up and absolutely ran with it and kept this thing going and kept it on the tracks and was able to go out and make the moves. But we never we never had that discussion when Ted owned the club about – they're, they've got a self-imposed cap, or they can't spend any money here, or they can't do this. You know, it was, Ted, have another scotch. I'm going to go sign me another guy. Right? And they and they went and picked up all kinds of guys for all of it. So it, it is an interesting discussion because, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, it for a lot of people, it does come down to what Sherholtz and what Alex Anthopoulos have done for the Braves organization. Let's grab Philip uh, out in Ackworth quick before we get to uh, the break. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Hey, yeah. Hey, you and I had a conversation. I don't know. It's been a while, like five or six years ago when the Braves were basically tanking. And I remember you weren't a fan of it. And and it kind of dovetails into what we're talking about tonight, but. Um, you know, we did get Freed and Dansby Swanson at, at, at a, when we did that. And so you make good points about Bobby Cox laying the foundation for Sherholtz. Um, and, and I think there were some good foundational pieces built in the teardown to to, to get to, to uh, Anthopolis now. And, and I well, love what Anthopolis and, is and, doing. And He's to, locking, locking in these guys. Well, but, let, let me, there's let me, always going to be an overlap. Yeah, let me piggyback off what you're saying because – there is definitely some um, uh, the, the guy who got who's the guy that got suspended uh, that was here before. Um, yeah, the bald, bald uh, yeah. guy from Notre Dame. Yeah. I can't remember his name. But but to your point, you know, he's the guy who went and got Ozzy and Ronnie and those guys. You know, he's the That's guy right. who he's the guy who brought those guys in because remember what their strategy was. They went on the international market to go get their hitters, and they would draft all of their – they'd use the draft for their pitchers, and they'd go in the international pool to go get players like Ronnie and Ozzy and people like that. And and so – oh, God, I'm trying to think. Who uh, – uh, John Copalella. So John Copalella. Yeah, Copalella, that's yeah, right. He made – you're right. I mean, he made some of those foundational pieces. That's where they got some of those pieces from. So I'm, I'm with you that, that more than just double-A – what I give Double A credit for is he's knocked down the wall of what the Braves are and are not able to do as far as from the Liberty Media perspective. Well, that's exactly right. So he's making this a sustainable model right. with with the cards that he's dealt, dealing with the whole corporate structure, which uh, I, I think is really amazing that he has the foresight to do that. And you know, taking a team that can't compete with the Dodgers and the Yankees on the the total payroll, but making it sustainable over a longer period of time. Yeah, and, and I did just want to bring that to your no. That's that that's point that's, too, a, that. that's a good po- that's a good point. I appreciate the phone call. Um, because it is he's building a model that they can keep this thing. Look, M- Michael Harris is already a nine million dollar player in Major League Baseball. He's already a nine million dollar player. I mean, 
I know his. I know next year it's five, then it goes to twelve. And all, but I'm saying his average is nine. He's already a nine million dollar player. If you're a Gold Glove caliber defensive center fielder, you're a nine million dollar player in today's baseball world. I don't care if you hit like Buddy Bianca Lana. You play Gold Glove defense in center field. You're a nine million dollar player in today's game. All right, we get back to the top of the hour. Talk. Uh, we get into the uh, Falcons flyover. Um, we got bad news today. One guy is out for the preseason. We'll talk about all that next. Chuck in the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game. The Odyssey.com app.